This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode of Mom and Mind, we are going to be talking about boundaries and specifically boundaries with in-laws during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Now, this is kind of a touchy subject for some people. Touchy meaning that it can be really hard to set boundaries with in-laws and also touchy because sometimes people really want to avoid the conflict that they think is going to come up with setting boundaries with the in-laws, specifically related to pregnancy and birth and postpartum, because it's such a charged period of time. A lot of family members have a lot of really invested ideas about what they want to have happen, and that might not be what you want as a newly pregnant mom or dad or if your family's just getting started. Our guest today, Felicia Hurst, is a licensed professional counselor in private practice, serving the Ardmore, Oklahoma community. She graduated with a Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from East Central University and has a post-master's advanced training in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Felicia has a passion for working with women prior to conception, during pregnancy, postpartum, and throughout motherhood, and spreading awareness about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. She's going to talk a little bit about her professional experience, but also share her personal experience with having to figure out how to set boundaries with in-laws and her own family, and some really great tips on what everyone can do to set boundaries with family members. So let's meet Felicia. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am grateful to you for coming on here because we're going to be talking about in-laws and those kinds of difficult situations, setting boundaries with in-laws and whatnot. And that's kind of a hard topic for people to want to talk about, but it's absolutely, you know, a big deal and it comes up a lot and, you know, transition into parenthood. So thank you for wanting to talk about this today. Yeah, I think it's really important. I know I see it a lot in my clients' work, so. Right. Yeah. It's all over the place. All right. So, well, let's hear from you first and about your story and start wherever you'd like in terms of your story and your process, and then we'll get into it. Okay. My story goes back a little ways. I always knew that I wanted to have children, and it was something I had thought about often. 
I would say the desire to have children really shaped a lot of the decisions I made for about a decade before I had children. Mm-hmm. So even though we knew we wanted to wait and finish college and do all of that before having children, I remember looking at other people and them having families and thinking just a few more years, just a few more years, and I'll be able to have a family of my own. So when my husband and I started trying to have a child, I was really shocked when we did not end up pregnant almost immediately. Uh Yeah. We conceived our daughter about a year and a half after trying. Mm -hmm. And the reason I mention all of this is because I think that that extended period of dreaming of having my own family and trying is part of what played a key role in me having my own perinatal anxiety during that period. Right. Sure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So I had struggled with severe intrusive thoughts during pregnancy, but especially postpartum that would leave me even feeling nauseous and vomiting mm-hmm. for extended periods of time because I was just experiencing so much shame about those thoughts. Oh, gosh, sorry. Yeah, that's hard. So fast forward to the last trimester of pregnancy, whenever I began developing my birth and postpartum plan. My husband and I had several serious conversations surrounding delivery and those early postpartum weeks. And I knew that in order for me to be able to stay calm during delivery and have the kind of experience I wanted, that we would have to set some pretty strong boundaries with everybody and have a rule for no visitors at the hospital and back home for that first day or two. Like everybody in your family and his family? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Can I ask a question? How did you know at that point that you needed or wanted to have those boundaries in place? Well, both of our families are kind of loud at times. They are opinionated. And we both are just different people whenever we're around our families. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Especially my husband. He's very different whenever it's just me and my daughter than around his family and almost kind of standoffish. And I wanted us to be able to have that opportunity to really bond together. Yeah wouldn't if his family was there. Oh, right. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for answering that. I'm just thinking of like, you know, sometimes people don't realize they need boundaries until afterwards, but, and it sounds like you kind of knew that soon in the process. Mm -hmm. Yes. It had definitely been on my mind a lot. And I knew that my expectation of not having anybody in the delivery room and even home the first couple days was really different than the norm. I also knew it was really different than what my in-laws were expecting. Mm -hmm. And I have no doubt that they were expecting one of two things, either that A, they would be in the delivery room with us, and then my mother-in-law would come move in with us for a few months or maybe a few years after that. Or they were expecting to be in the delivery room and then for us to go live with them for a few months afterwards. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that followed two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, 
the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Was that something that had been done in the family already or that they had vocalized that they wanted? Yes, it had been done in the family already, and my father-in-law had made some comments about, well, we have a spare master bedroom and this and that, and yeah. Okay. All right. So the pressure was there already. For sure. Mm -hmm. So it took a few really difficult discussions with them to get our expectations clearly understood, but in the end, I was able to have the delivery that I had dreamed of and those early postpartum days that were really special to be able to look back on. Wow, that's great. That's so nice that you were able to do that for yourself and your family. I guess I'm assuming, too, that your husband was on board. Yes, absolutely. He really was really opening and understanding about it and just wanted to support me in whatever I did. Right. That's his biggest strength, so I love that. Oh, that's so nice. That doesn't always happen (laughs) in marriage in general, but certainly, you know, around a big event like the delivery of a child birth of a child. Yeah. So let me take a step back. You said you had had a couple of difficult conversations with the in-laws just about creating those boundaries or letting them know what you wanted. Yeah. My first couple conversations with them, I thought I had been pretty clear with what I wanted, but I had also kind of said them and communicated them in fleeting moments of passing or when we were all doing other activities. Uh Uh-huh. They kept coming up a few other times. They would make comments again that kind of led to thinking that our expectations weren't in alignment with one another. So we finally had to have one really big conversation. And just that's whenever there was clear understanding. Mm. Right. That's an interesting point. And I think pretty important too, is that it wasn't like one conversation and then you were done. Right. Absolutely. I think that's really important is that We have to pick the right time, place, and location to have these conversations. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's not always ideal, for sure. So I'm kind of wondering if it's hard to know because, well, you did set the boundaries up front. And I'm kind of wondering, wow, what would have or could have happened for you if you hadn't set those boundaries and you ended up doing what other people wanted? 
Yeah, I think if I would have ended up people pleasing, or maybe I would have even withdrawn or became aggressive about it mm-hmm. to try to build my boundaries. I don't know which one would have really happened in that moment. But if it would have been people pleasing, I think I would have later regretted it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And also then by setting the boundaries, it kind of, I wonder how much it protected your kind of emotional well-being in terms of just, you know, knowing that you didn't have to take care of other people during that time. Exactly. I think that was huge. Like I remember us even writing it down on our birth plan that we didn't want any visitors and each nurse that would come in there during delivery. And, you know, that was first 24, 48 hours afterwards would say, so no visitors kind of like (laughs) question mark at the end. Uh So it was something we had to constantly keep telling Mm. them. Even the nursing staff. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Even the nursing staff. (laughs) Right, right. I wasn't thinking you were going to have to hold boundaries with nursing staff around family visiting too, but it sounds like they were kind of wondering or questioning you guys. I think so. I remember one coming back and saying, I think this is really neat that you did this. I wish more people did this. It just really creates a space that's needed for some couples and families that they don't get that otherwise. And that was really nice and supportive to hear. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. I guess that's true. There's usually like a mix of, you know, people being supportive and not in that kind of environment. Um, Right. So in the conversations that you had with your family members, what did you have to navigate in terms of like worrying that you were going to upset them or, you know, how did you cope with all of that? I think I coped by just remembering that ruptures are going to happen, Mm -hmm. that it's just about how we repair them. And I wanted to act in accordance with my values. That was important to me. I didn't want to become aggressive or withdraw or just bend at the wheel because I knew I would later regret that. Right. But just constantly kind of affirming myself and just holding space for myself to be able to have those difficult conversations and knowing that that's okay. And if people decide that my route is odd for them and they want to go another route, that's okay too. There's no perfect way for everybody. We are all individuals. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's such a nice way to frame it for yourself because it's kind of inevitable that someone's feelings are going to get hurt or they're going to be upset or not understand. I mean, if you're constantly chasing that, like you said, you'll just end up maybe being resentful later or upset more later. Exactly. And I know I want my clients and moms out there to know that this is their birth. This is their time and their experiences with their child that they're not going to get again. Mm -hmm. So they have the right to make the decisions that's best for their family. Yeah, absolutely. So you had to set boundaries with a lot of people. I mean, both sides of your family, right? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah. And that's, you know, I imagine there's like a different way you have to approach people based on, you know, your relationships with them. I'm wondering if there was kind of a different approach or different perspective with your husband's family versus your family versus, I don't know, friends or how you navigated talking to different people. Yeah, definitely. I think with my family, they had kind of already set the tone for, you know, this kind of space during delivery and postpartum. My parents are deceased, so it's just my sisters and I. One of my sisters had already kind of set the role for just her and her husband there during delivery. 
So she really did a great job of helping pave that road for me on that side. And it was just like a really simple, easy conversation with them. And then it was done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's interesting. And also it sounds like you could kind of piggyback a little bit on what she'd done and I wonder how much better that made you feel about your decision. Yeah, I think it definitely helps a lot to know that other people out there are doing the same thing. Yeah, sure, sure. And did you have to set boundaries with friends or, you know, coworkers or anything like that, people outside of just direct family members? I think it seems to just go really smoothly with the friends and coworkers. We just kind of lucked out on that because we live out in the country. So where my husband works is about two hours from where I delivered. Oh, wow workers to go there was a little bit difficult and even for them to come to where we live an hour from his work mm-hmm. was a little bit difficult then my co-workers are therapists so you know <laughs> that. yeah yeah therapists understand boundaries a little bit better all right yeah that makes sense Okay, so going back in kind of your story a little bit, how did you and your husband navigate, you know, either having the discussions around boundaries or making the decisions together about what worked for you? I think we just kind of sat down and I was just very, very clear and blunt about it with him and just said, you know, hey, what are we planning on doing during delivery? You know, who did you think we were going to have in the room with us? What's important to you? And he kind of looked at me puzzled and shrugged and was like, well, Felicia, this is your deal. What are you wanting? So I talked to him about what if we don't have anybody in the room and it's just us and we can just be focused on us and our baby girl and the delivery process and just kind of be there for one another for that support rather than somebody else supporting us instead. Mm -hmm. I think he really liked that, us being able to come together and bond like that. And looking back, I think that that was like one of our strongest moments as a couple. Mm, How nice. A lot of good for our marriage. Right, 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 right. I mean, you're setting the scene, right? I guess for your new family, for your first several days of being a new family in this big, big transition, welcoming in your baby girl. That's so nice that he was, you know, on the same page and supportive of what you wanted. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes that's not going to happen. So it may just be more conversations, you know, and really getting to be able to talk about why, you Mm -hmm. know, why would somebody maybe not want somebody in the room with them or why would they want a particular person in the room Mm -hmm. and just getting to have that deeper conversation. So truly understand one another, you know, if a couple loves one another, then they want to support one another in their decisions. So, right. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think too about, you know, when there is a difference of opinion or when somebody doesn't understand your boundary, why that would be so important, if possible, to have that discussion about the why. Because it would be super easy to make assumptions or even take this kind of decision personally, you know, unless you're able or willing to have a deeper conversation about the why, then it could go many different ways if people's feelings are hurt or they don't get it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think part of that had happened in my personal story with my in-laws is that once it did click with them, what I was doing, I think that the way they had taken that in and perceived it was that I wanted to keep their grandchild away from them. And I wanted, you know, to make this experience not inclusive for them. So 
once I was able to explain that, no, you know, I'm wanting an opportunity to have a kind of bond that my personal family just can't have otherwise. I know that's not true for other people, Mm -hmm. but with our personalities, we just kind of withdraw and don't engage fully. Right. Well, yeah. So you're kind of really having to think about what works for you guys as a family. Oh, it's so nice that you were able to explain that to your in-laws and your family. Not everybody gets that opportunity and they were able to hear that. Yeah. I wonder though, maybe if we can kind of expand this a little bit because there are times where people don't get it and don't understand the boundary or any type of boundaries and do take things very personally and get their feelings hurt. And specifically, I'm thinking of other people who are listening and who've had really difficult experiences setting these kinds of boundaries and or doing things that other people wanted so they didn't have to deal with the conflict. Can you kind of give your perspective on a general sense of why setting boundaries is so important? Yeah, I think that they're important because this is your time with your family and you have the opportunity to have, you know, the experience that you want without any kind of regret or sadness or resentment later on. Mm -hmm. I do think that ruptures are going to happen. You know, people are not always going to agree. They're going to become angry. And I know I see that a lot with my clients when they come in and tell their stories. I think oftentimes as moms, we end up trying to people please because we still want the families to be close and things to go well. But then later we just feel like crap because of that Mm -hmm. and all of this regret and you can't go back and redo that situation. So I think just kind of affirming, you know, once again, that it's okay, it's my time. And if they are mad for a little while, that's okay. This is a true relationship and we will repair it. It's not going to have this rupture in it forever. Yeah, right. That's true. I mean, absolutely. If it is a relationship where you can have dialogue around it, there is so much room for that repair and coming back together. I had several experiences with clients anyways in their families where, you know, the people who, when the client was setting boundary or the mom was setting boundary with the family members, they didn't get it and there wasn't room for a conversation around it. And still they had to set the boundary even though they knew that it was like possibly not going to be repairable. It can be really tricky to navigate that. Yeah, I think that's very true. Do you feel like you could give examples of how to talk about boundaries with other people or like, you know, tips on how to bring up things that might be difficult, specifically around birth or postpartum? Like literally examples of how you could say stuff. I'm thinking for people who are listening who are like, okay, yeah, I want to set this boundary, but I don't know how. I don't know how to say it. Do you have any language that you like or that you use, that kind of a thing? Yeah, maybe just, I'm a very blunt kind of person. So just saying, you know, hey, I've been thinking I might want to do my delivery process a little bit different and my early postpartum days a little bit different, you know. Here's what me and my partner were thinking. We were thinking that we don't really want anybody in the room or we want somebody in the room after a couple hours. We want those first few hours to ourselves or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Right. So to be as clear and direct as possible. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm going to ask you, I guess, if you have any other points that you wanted to be sure to make around boundaries and in-laws in particular. I think the things that come to mind is just that 
I believe most people will say that they have some difficult relationships with their in-laws. And I think that's to be expected because we come from different backgrounds and different places. So trying to blend a family together is going to be difficult, regardless of having the same culture or a different culture, because those experiences are always going to be different. So maybe just keeping in mind that these family members really do want to to provide support for us and they do want to celebrate this new birth. So just trying to communicate with them how they can best do that, whether that's either by, you know, coming over on certain days and times and spending time with y'all or Mm -hmm. helping clean the house or completing chores or running errands. You know, we just got to tell our family how they can support us best. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Right. Yeah, I really love that. And thank you for bringing that in because it's not only about telling people what they can't do. Boundaries is also about telling people what they can do, how they can be supportive. And yeah, that is a really needed perspective too, especially, you know, if you're in a position to have to set a boundary with someone where you're telling them that they can't do something that they want to do, it is really nice to be able to offer them something that they can do to help. And I think to your really important element for sure. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add about that dynamic about boundaries? Yeah. I would just add that I think it's important to understand that our family really does want to support us and The best thing that we can do is to provide them with options on how to support us, you know, teach them the best way to do this, whether it's by coming by the house certain times of the day or cleaning or completing chores, running errands, holding babies so that you can sleep, just be really clear with them. I think it's also really important to understand that we all come from different backgrounds. 
whether it's from different cultures or heritages, we all have a different backpack of history and life experiences. So sometimes conflict is going to happen with that and blending these families together is going to be hard sometimes, but we can make it through with grace and dignity and be able to look back and really remember these experiences and have joy and pride in them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I like your perspective that, you know, if and when possible to be assuming that people are coming at you with the best of intentions, even if it's not necessarily how you would do it or how you want to do things, it's much easier to have a conversation about boundaries when you can make an assumption that there's still a connection there and that they're just wanting to be a part of this big life change. Absolutely. I think it just puts us in the best frame of mind to be able to be ready for a heavy conversation like this. Yeah, absolutely. So what have you seen from your clients and your experiences? Any hopeful messages around like the outcome from setting boundaries with in-laws and creating this period of time, constructing this period of time how you want to? Yeah, I would just say that you will get through it. It may be difficult conversations, but, you know, people do come across on the other side. And I think that beginning to set the tone for the boundaries we want in place during the early stages of having a family like this can be really helpful and important because it then makes it easier later down on the road whenever we already understand one another and we've started from a place like this. I also think it's never too late to try to start setting boundaries you recognize that that's something that you need to start doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Even if it's, you know, after pregnancy, after the birth, after the early postpartum, at any point, if you realize that something's not working out for you, that you can take a step back and review and try and get something else going. Yeah, we're always changing and evolving. And that's good. That's part of life. That's being healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Great. That's very hopeful. I mean, I think to your point that that perspective I really love that once, if you are setting those boundaries early on, that you're setting the stage for how things are going to go later is really powerful because I think if people are in constant fear or worried about the conflict that they're going to create, if they set a boundary, it's almost like if you don't set the boundary now, the conflict could be more later. And it almost sounds like that's a bit of what you and your husband did too, is you kind of, you anyways, from what I heard, you thought ahead you thought ahead about what is going to work for you longer term and made a decision about how to set things up now. Yeah, absolutely. I think planning like that and putting those systems in place can be really helpful and that can be part of what keeps conflict from escalating and becoming worse later on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Any other thoughts or hopeful messages around setting boundaries? I guess during pregnancy and postpartum specifically. Just be true to yourself. Recognize what your values are. You know, take a few minutes to really get clear on these and what's important to you, not what your family has done in the past, not what you see in social media, but get really clear about what you want and then take this to your partner and communicate it and just expand from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And let's close with hearing a little bit more about the work that you do. Okay. So I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I'm in private practice in rural southern Oklahoma, where I focus on working in maternal mental health. I'm also the chair for Postpartum Support International's Oklahoma chapter. 
which I'm really excited to be a part of because I have a passion for educating others about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and reducing the stigma surrounding these. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge part of my life. That's fantastic. I have a question like slightly off the topic of what we were talking about, but you said rural Oklahoma, and it made me wonder how important that is to have services like yours in rural areas. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering if it's harder for people in rural areas to get the kind of care that they are looking for. I think it can be. I think it takes some shopping around. And I think right now our biggest obstacle that we're kind of facing is people just don't recognize that services are out there. Mm -hmm. Also, probably an equally big obstacle is the stigma around counseling here in Southern Oklahoma is huge. Mm. So we're really battling that and even getting people in services. We have OBGYNs and nurses and midwives and doulas that are just awesome supports. Just letting people know that they are out there and that they are doing great work. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, it's great to hear that people are talking about it and trying to work against the stigma. Yes, definitely. It takes some intention for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Well, it's great that you're doing that work. And I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective with us and your personal experience around setting boundaries within laws. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again, Felicia, for coming on. If you guys would like to get connected with her, you can go to FeliciaHursttherapy.com or visit her Facebook page at Felicia Hurst MSLPC. If this is your first time joining us on the Mom in Mind podcast, please do go and subscribe so you can get each of these episodes downloaded right to you. And you can listen to anyone that resonates for you or pass it along to someone who you think could benefit. Please join us on Facebook at Mom in Mind podcast or Instagram at Mom in Mind. Thanks so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.